When Yosef introduces his brothers to Paroi, he wants to make sure that Paroi doesn't get too impressed with them and draft them into the army. And so he only introduces the weaker brothers. The question is, who are the weaker brothers? So Rashi will give us two different explanations. One from the Medrash, which he Dafka highlights is the Eretz Yisraeldika way of learning, and the other from the Gemara, which is the Bovel way of learning, and then he pegs on the Sifri as well. Now, what's interesting about this is that the five he identifies over here seem to be different to the ones he identifies in Vezoy Sabrocha. And also, when he talks about Shevet God, he indicates that they're from the powerful brothers, which doesn't seem to necessarily fit with at least one of the opinions over here. It's also interesting that here he gives us two opinions, and in Vezoy Sabrocha, he just gives us one opinion. So we have to understand who are the stronger and who are the weaker brothers, and why is it explained differently in different contexts and of course, why is that to do with, as Rashi will tell us, the fact that Moshe mentions their name twice when he blesses them, that somehow that indicates if they're strong or weak. If in Pasuk, so commenting on the Pasuk that says, that out of his brothers, Yosef took five men and he presented them in front of Paroi. Is Rashi Mephorish? Rashi explains who, which five, why these five? And he says, He chose the five that were the weakest that they should not appear as if the brothers are powerful individuals. And he had a reason for it. Because if Paru would see that the brothers are strong, he would draft them into his army. And obviously Yosef did not want that. Now says Rashi, who are those brothers? So Rashi quotes two different opinions who the weak brothers were. First opinion is Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yisachar, Rubin, Yamin. How do we know? Because later on in Bezoy Sabrocha, when Moshe blesses the different Shvatim, these Shvatim, he does not repeat their names twice. Rashi says that's an indicator that they're weak brothers. Whereas the stronger brothers, Moshe mentioned the name twice in their Brochus. And then, of course, Rashi tells us who they are. Then Rashi tells us what seems to be unnecessary information. This is the way it's expressed in the Medrash, and then he adds, which is the attitude of extrapolating Torah as they do it in Eretz Yisrael. Whereas if you look at the Talmud Bavli, our Gemara, why do you have to say our Gemara? He says the exact opposite. Which are the ones that Moshe doubled or repeated their names? The weaker ones. And those are the ones that he brought in front of Paroi. And then Rashi doesn't end there. On Firtois, he continues. There's a Brisa quoted in the Sifri on Vezoy Sabrocha, which is not our parasha, that says the same as our Gemara. Why do you have to tell me that? So there are quite a number of questions that we have to address. Namely, it doesn't seem to make sense. The fact that Rashi had to tell us who are the weak and who are the strong brothers is moving. That we can understand. You've got to find me a source to say who they are. Because there's nothing in the Pasuk that gives us any indication which are considered the strong or the weak brothers. So you have to find that in a Medrash or in a Gemara. We get that. Question is, but who needs all the details over here to explain the pshat? The pshat is, he took the weaker brothers so they don't land up in the army. 
Why do we have to know the arichus of protim as dosis verbunden mit loy kofal shmoisim kishabercham or the kofal v'chulei? Why is it relevant over here to this conversation about how Yosef presented his brothers to Paroi here? Why is it relevant to know that later on when Moshe will bless them in Vezoy Sabrocha, whether he does or doesn't repeat their names is the indicator if they're strong or weak. Why is that relevant here? Rashi already gives us three places to look. A Medrash Rabbah, a Gemara, and a Sifri. You want the details? Go look up the sources. That Rashi often does that. He gives us the source. And that way he implies you should look further. Why does he have to fill in the details that are in those sources? Question number one. Question number two, Bayes. From the embassy, Rashi brings two days of chis from Razali's muhach. The fact that Rashi brings two contradictory opinions, either Ruben, Shimon, Levi, Yisachar, Zvulun are strong or they're weak, as Yisachar, Binyamin are strong or weak. The fact that Rashi brings both implies as in Pshutish or Mikridois, Nitokin, Achrot, Zvishan, Dideos, means that there's nothing in the Pshat of the Psukim to say which opinion is correct. It's just that there is obviously some logical reason why the first explanation makes more sense, which would be why Rashi brings it first. The fact that Rashi has two different opinions, indicating that the Pshat does not lend itself to one of the opinions, raises two other questions for us. Number one, Aleph. Rashi gives one opinion that the second set of brothers, which are not the ones he quotes over here as the the, the weak ones, those so there in Rezai Sabrocha he says that those brothers are the ones whose names are doubled or mentioned twice by Moshe Rabbeinu because they're the weak ones so they needed to be bolstered and strengthened. And then he says over there, heim heim Yosef paroi. Those are the ones that Yosef took in front of Parish. That means by the time you get to Vezoy Sabrocha, it implies as in Pshutei Shol Mikra, the Pshat is, because Rashi just says it without saying that there are other options, they're not even saying that this is a, a, a drosha of Chazal. Doesn't that tell you that there in Vezoy Sabrocha, Rashi clarifies for us which are the weaker brothers and which one is it? The second opinion that Rashi quotes here. So why does he bring two opinions here as if there's no resolution and in Vezoy Sabrocha, one opinion saying that there is resolution. It's done, Naftali, God, Osher, and Zavulun. Second of all, in Pashas Matas Udvorim Zaktashi Bepashas, Ashsevet God is given Svishan Divas Giberim Hoyu. In Pashas Matas and Dvorim, where we talk about the uh, Ruvain and, and, and God and Chatsi Sheva Menashe, that they wanted to get the Transjordan, there Rashi says absolutely without question that God is one of the powerful Shvatim. Which is the opposite to what he apparently concluded in Vesay Sabrocha, where he says clearly God is one of the weak ones. So how do you reconcile this? Which one is it? Is there no clarity? In which case Rashi brings two opinions. So then why bring a single opinion in Vezoy Sabrocha? And why bring contradictory opinions? In Vezoy Sabrocha you say God is weak. And in Tvarim Amatis you say God is strong. 
Now, Mekenef Demni Tenfren, you might want to answer, but it's not going to work. As in Yedin, Falba, Zunde, Israshim, Meforish, Loit, Viasis, Muchachim, Pshute, Shomikra, Al Asar. Don't even go down this road to say, ah, you see, in Parshas Vayigash, the context lends itself to one explanation in Pshat. And in Vezoisa Brocha, the context lends itself to a different explanation. And in Matis and Dvarim, a different explanation. Don't go there. On a parashas matus udvarim is al pipshut esham mukher chashevet God is given from the giborim. Because then you'd say, look, in devarim and matus, the context is about who are the soldiers who are going to lead the conquest of Israel, and God is listed there, so it must be one of the powerful groups. Whereas when you're in vezoisa brocha and you see that God is listed together with Zavulon and Asher and Aftali and and uh, Don. That implies that God is one of the weaker ones. Whereas in our parasha, there's no clarity. So what are you saying? That there's some kind of a pick and choose when you're explaining Pshat? You cannot say that. We've explained many times. And it's quite logical. It is ridiculous to suggest that the pshat of one pasuk is the direct contradiction to the pshat of another pasuk. doesn't work. So we have to understand. Here Rashi seems to say there's no clarity who the weak brothers are. In B'Soy it's clearly those five. Don Asher God Naftali is Vulun, and and in 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 uh, and God suddenly in Vesuvius Abrocha is weak, and in Matas and Tvarim is strong. It doesn't seem to make sense. So the first place we'll start is we'll have a look at the difference between how Rashi has no clarity here and the way he definitely says that God is a strong uh, shevet when when we're in Matas and Tvarim. Let's first look at that. The difference between how Rashi leaves it open-ended here and clearly says God is strong in those two parishes. The fact that Rashi might sometimes quote two opinions in one context and in a different context only go with one of those opinions the two possible reasons why that might be. Why you first quote two opinions and then at some point you only go with one of those two opinions. Either it's Aleph Beruba Durube in most cases, like in Gebrachten Pirish is for an Ashverkeit in Zweiten Postuk, Bavont Estrashi Befiroshe. So it could be that I've got two, two commentaries. When I get to a later Postuk, one of those commentaries will clash with that Postuk and Rashi has to clarify it. Whereas the other opinion fits well with the Pasuk, so Rashi doesn't have to explain it. So we have two versions, either these are the strong or these are the weak brothers. When I come to the Pasuk of the Chalutzim going to conquer Eretz Yisrael, well, the, the, the Pasuk that says strong brothers, well, God would fit with that. It makes sense. Okay, that, that would be one possible reason. So you don't have to bring the other explanation. Or Beisiva Hofchis could be the exact opposite. While Bemokim Zeh is from Pshutish and Mikra Mashma, Loi Fita Gebrachta Pirish, it could be actually the exact opposite. This is the Pasuk that supports one opinion. So let me quote that opinion because here it has corroboration. But it's not 100% clear because you could find a way to wiggle the other opinion in. So Rashi is going to show us why we go with that opinion. And that's actually going to be the explanation that might be quite abstract right now. So we're going to see how that works with the story of God. And it will actually 
make it uh, quite easy to understand. That's what happens over here in the story of God. When you're learning there's nothing in the parasha that helps us to work out who are the strong brothers and who are the weak brothers. Oh, Berem Parshas Matos and Dvorim, but when you read the story of Matos and Dvorim, is Mashmas Bnei God's Ein Given Giborim. Those stories imply that God are the strong brothers. Because if they were not strong, why would they suggest we're going to lead the charge to conquer Eretz Yisrael? That would be ridiculous if you're not strong people. And even if they were delusional, and if they were delusional and they thought they were stronger than they actually were, Moshe would never have accepted their proposal. And not only does he accept it, he turns it into an instruction. You need to do this. You are required to lead the campaign. So in that passage, in our parish of Vayigash, we don't know, is God strong or is God weak? But when you read Matos and Devarim, we have evidence that God is a strong tribe. Umemele, now, when you come across this, what do you see now? Rashi is saying, okay, we have two possibilities. God is weak, God is strong. This particular explanation suits me to say God is strong. So I'm going to quote it over here and use this pasuk as proof of the fact that God is one of the strong nations. Now, don't say, how do I know they're strong? Because later in Vesoy Sabrach, I'll have further proof. No, no, no. I'm looking now. Especially when you consider that the evidence that Rashi uses to show that God is strong is not from a pasuk later on in Yehoshua. In Esmavos, after maybe Moshe had already given them a brocha and maybe strengthened them now. But Dafka from these Psukim in context immediately there in Matos and Dvarim, which shows that even before Moshe blessed them, they were already strong. In other words, we said one of the possibilities of why Rashi would adopt one explanation when previously he had said, I don't know which of the two to use, is because one of the explanations fits better with the story in this context. And he wants to highlight how it is Dafka, that approach, and not the other one. So you might have thought, why is God strong? Because Moshe gives them a brocha which strengthens them. Says Rashi, no. God was always strong. How do I know? Because even before they were given the brocha by Moshe, they were already on the cards to be the forward God, the advanced God of the conquest of Eretz Yisrael. Now that doesn't completely exclude the possibility of the other opinion Rashi used in our parasha that maybe God is one of the weak ones as God is given fundi chaloshim because if it was that clear then obviously here Rashi would have had his answer and he would have only given us one opinion. Because it's a very simple logical explanation to say the reality at the time of Yaakov's brocha and the reality at the time of the conquest of Eretz Yisrael was not the same reality. Because it's possible, as God ben given fundi There is the possibility that the human, the original God, who stood before Paroi, might have been a weak person, and therefore a good example of don't take these people into your army. But his descendants, 
Anshay Shevet God, 250 years better. The descendants of God's family, 250 years later, the people who are about to enter Eretz Yisrael, maybe they became strong over time. So here, we don't know, is God strong or not? Either one is possible. And it would not be, even if you say God is weak at this point, it's not a contradiction to the fact that his children or great-great-grandchildren turned out to be strong people. And there's a logical explanation for it. Because the different tribes did intermarry at that point, so it's possible. As many God, maybe God had descendants who married into the stronger Shvatim. And maybe their children had the DNA of their mother's side and they landed up being strong. So, in the story of Matas and Tvarim, it's logical that the Bnei God are powerful people. That's why Moshe wants to put them at the front of the conquest of Israel. But here in Vayigash, that doesn't prove anything for us, because when Yosef wants to display the weakest brothers to Paroi, it could be that God himself is still in that category. So we can easily reconcile Parashas Vayigash and the dilemma about who the weak brothers and strong brothers are with Matas and Tvarim, where we're clear that Bnei God are strong. That's fine. But we still have to reconcile Vayigash and Vezoisabrocha. And for that matter, Vezoisabrocha with Matois and Tvarim. Because in Vezoisabrocha, God is one of the weak brothers. Let's go with a view that says that in Vezoisabrocha, those names that Moshe repeated, it's because they were weak and they needed strengthening. Which was the second opinion Rashi quoted in our parasha from the Gemara. And if, like Rashi does, in Vezoisabrocha says this is the explanation, which implies that it's the Pshat, why does Rashi not bring it as at least, if not the only opinion, the first opinion? Because it has backing from Vezoisabrocha. And then there are a whole lot of details in the way Rashi presented his explanation that seem to be unnecessary details. Why are they there? So we have to understand Rashi's commentary in our parasha by Yigash. Number one is, why does he bring so much detail? Just say simply, five brothers who would look weak so that Paroi would be dissuaded from drafting them to the army. Second of all, look at the language that Rashi uses. It's so uncommon. Why do we have to know suddenly now in Parashas Vayigash that the Medrash Bereshis Rabbah is the, the methodology of, exp- uh, of expounding Torah of Eretz Yisrael? And then he says, Deloshem Begimora Bavlis. Shelonu, and he compares it to the, the Gemara Bavlis. Now, the fact that he says Shelonu, you could answer maybe it's because there were different Girsois, maybe there were different versions around, and Rashi wants to say it's the version we have. Fine, Mela. But why do you have to say Gemara Bavlis? To say the Gemara. And lastly, so long winded. The Brysa quoted in the Sifri on Vezoisabrocha is like Al Gemara. Number one, why do we need a proof? 
The Gemara already has an opinion. Why do I have to know that this opinion is also shared by the Brisa Sifri? Why do I have to know that it's a Brisa quoted in the Sifri? Just say in the Sifri. What difference does it make to us to know which parasha the Sifri is commenting on? Surely the point is to say, the Sifri says, like the Gemara, leave out the Brisa, leave out the fact that it's, uh, that it's in, on Vazay Sabrocha. So the Bir B'chol Zeh, to explain all of this, we have to consider the following. We read the Pasuk. The Pasuk says Yosef took out of his brothers five of them to present to Pyro. And the Pasuk doesn't tell us who they are. Logic says, if we have five brothers who are distinguished from the other brothers and we're not told who they are, then somewhere else in the Torah we must find five brothers who are set apart from the other Shvatim and that's where we know who they are. So therefore, Rashi says, okay, we look through the whole Torah. What do we discover? Well, if you look in the Medrash and you look in the Gemara, it tells us that when Moshe later on is going to bless the Shvatim, he singles out five of them in a different way to the others. Some of the Shvatim, he repeats their name, and some of the Shvatim, he does not. It's the only place where the Torah names five Shvatim separate from the other Shvatim. And in one of the two ways. Either it highlights them by doubling their name and therefore they're weak, or doubling their name and therefore they're strong. So there's the link. Rashi has to show us that link. We don't know who are the subjects of this Pasuk. So we have to look, scour the whole of Chumash and find somewhere else where five brothers are highlighted. Leidach Gisa, on the other hand, Despite the fact that the Torah here clearly does not list the names of the five weak brothers, we might not know who the five weak brothers are, but we do know at least some of who the strong brothers were based on things that we have learned before. So let's think, according to Pshat, which brothers stand out as being strong? Well, the first obviously has to be Shimon and Levi. When you learn the story of the attack on Shem, you must conclude, according to Pshat, that Shimon and Levi were very powerful brothers. Because they went single-handedly, just the two of them, and wiped out the entire city of Shem. So if I know that information, by the time I get to Vayigash, I know, I've always learned that Shimon and Levi are powerful, and that's why I learned that he separates Yosef, separates Shimon, because he knows how much damage they could do. And Rashi's already told us that he listens to his Gvi, and he says, I know that how powerful you people are, you are a threat to our nation, because two of you destroyed the whole of Shem. So we now know Shimon and Levi as Giboyrim. So now the first explanation says, that the names that Moshe does not repeat in the Zaysa Bracha are weak. 
That includes Shimon and Levi. Whoa, hang on a second. Why would you think Shimon and Levi are not mentioned twice by Moshe because they're weak when I know that they're strong? Therefore, Rashi says the watch. That's why he tells us straight away those that Moshe repeated their names are actually fundamentally weak. And therefore, that tells you that Shimon and Levi are the strong ones. Moshe didn't have to repeat their names. What's the first explanation Rashi gives? That when you repeat their names, it means that they're weak and they need the strength. Shimon and Levi, the names are not repeated. Why? Because they're actually strong. Rashi has to bring that explanation too. The only thing is that that raises another question. What about Yehuda? Yehuda, according to you, Rashi, you're going now with this opinion that says that when Moshe repeats their names, it's because they're weak. Well, Yehuda's name is repeated, and he clearly is a gibbon. So Rashi has to explain. The fact that Yehuda's name was repeated in the Brochus of Moshe, it's not It has nothing to do with weakness. There's another independent reason, and we can explore that reason when we get to Bezoysa Brochus. Because one thing is for sure, just as we know that Shimon and Levi, based on our learning of Chumash up until this point, must have been strong in our minds, Yehuda definitely is strong. As Yehuda is given sufficient to Gibberim, we'll prove it. Not only was he one of the strong brothers, he must be the strongest of the brothers. We'll prove it. Number one, he was the one who was willing to take the responsibility of Binyamin. You have to be powerful if you're going to take that responsibility to ensure he comes back alive. And he had the boldness to stand up against the most powerful man in the world at the time, not knowing it's his brother Yosef. Incredibly powerful. So therefore, we'd have to say that those who have their names repeated are generally weak, except for Yehuda. Shimon and Levi, their names are not repeated because they're strong. But this explanation also has a weakness. Because, according to this explanation, as Binyamin is given sufficient to that would put Binyamin as one of the strong brothers. Doesn't need to have his name repeated. Now, Binyamin is a strong brother. In the same way as we've learned Chumash up until this point, which gave us the picture that Shimon and Levi are strong, and that Yehuda is strong, that same study of Chumash made us feel that Binyamin is not. Er is given the Ingster. He was the youngest of the brothers, at this point, going in front of Paroi. And he is referred to as a child born to his parents in old age, who is somewhat, maybe if you want to say, mollycoddled. And he's the one child that Yaakov was most afraid of that some accident might happen to him. And even the, the negotiation or argument that Yehuda uses against Yosef to release Binyamin all seem to indicate that Binyamin is not strong enough to stand up for himself. So what would that explain? That would explain the second commentary is those names that are repeated are the names of the brothers who need the strength. But we have a question, why Binyamin is not one of those? 
And deswegen is the erste Pirsch, der Pirsch ho Ikri. Now, in spite of the fact that this is very compelling because we know Shimon and Levi to be strong, and we know uh, Yehuda to be strong, so we can explain why his name is repeated, and that sounds very compelling, still the first explanation, which is that Moshe repeated the names of the strong brothers, is actually a better explanation, and that's why Rashi puts it first. Warum? Leutens wegen Pirish is in MS, as also as Yudi is in Klau von Divas Kopf von Moshe Schmoisom. Because if I go with the second explanation and I say, why does Yehuda have his name repeated? It's not because of weakness. It's a Tzrib at Zweiten time for some other reason, nicht mischum chlishes, not because he's lacking. Over Mela bleibt at Zolf von Chamisha Schwatim, which leaves us with a total of five tribes. Umba fratlet der Adgosh von Rashi in Vesesa Brocha, Chamisha Schwatim, Shebeirach Baachreuna. As Rashi highlights in Vezosa Brocha, it's not just five Shvatim, but the second group of Shvatim, the later Shvatim. Where Moshe would have repeated their names to give them strength. So if I'm going to go with that explanation which says Moshe, doubled the names of the weaker Shvatim, the truth is I won't have a clear picture. Because because Yehuda's name is repeated. So now I have to start remembering in my head, okay, Yehuda is one of the repeated names, but he's not one of the weak brothers. The others are the weak brothers. It's not so clear. The first Esther Pirish Nemerim is Staver, and therefore the first explanation, which is that Moshe repeats the names of the strong brothers, is actually more sound. Because it gives us a clearer picture. Because then I know the five whose names are not repeated, they're the weak ones. It's clear. I don't have to extrapolate and say, no, Yehuda's got a different reason. It's very clear. What about Shimon and Levi? If you're going to say that the names that, have, that, that Moshe repeats are the names of the strong brothers, are Shimon and Levi not strong? Because the first explanation leaves Shimon and Levi in the weak brothers, which is really surprising to us. Come and find friend, we can explain that. As an Khanami says, I didn't give Shimon and Levi actually were weaker brothers. How then did they take on the whole city of Shem? You'll be surprised what people will do when you touch their family. The fact that they killed all the inhabitants of Shechem, including the leadership, is not because of how strong they were. They felt a responsibility. Something terrible happened to our family. We're the oldest. We're the ones who have to take revenge against the way that our sister was treated like a Zoyna. They look at Reuven. He is the oldest. He's doing nothing. We're next in line. We have to react. It's not a matter of because we're strong. It's because it's right. Especially when you consider that they had a great strategy that weakened the force of the people of Shechem. So they weren't fighting a powerful enemy. Upon Kios. So they that all and they were angry as well. So all of these factors come together that tells us they're not necessarily strong people. They reacted in a strong way at that time. So now we get it. Rashi, in his explanation of Ayigash, where we don't know which of the brothers who were the strong and the weak, is more inclined to say that the weak brothers are the ones whose names are not repeated by Moshe, and the strong brothers were. 
Because there's some question around that new no, Shimon and Levi, do you really think they're not so powerful? That's why he brings us a second opinion, which is, okay, so the ones whose names were repeated were the weak ones who needed extra strength, and Yehuda is an exception. That would explain why Rashi leaves us here with two views in Vayigash. Why then in Vezos HaBrocha does he seem to be really clear about who it is that Moshe emboldened or bolstered the weaker brothers or weaker tribes by repeating their names? Vezos HaBrocha, when you get to Vezos HaBrocha, it's from Pashto, Saksuvim, Mashma. The simple understanding of the Pesukim indicates as divos kofal shmoisim zainen es tichaloshim. Onit fakert. The simple understanding in context is that when Moshe is blessing Shvatim, not the same as when Yosef is lining up his brothers in front of Paroi. When Moshe is blessing Shvatim, he wants to give more bracha to those who need more bracha. And just to understand that, let's dig into the logic of the two explanations, the Medrash and the Gemara, whether it's that Moshe repeats the names of those who are stronger or he repeats the names of those who are weaker. And there's a logical explanation for both. Is it giving strength or is it giving recognition? When we analyze whether Moshe repeating their names is a sign of their strength or weakness. Okay, let's go first with the idea that they're weak ones. That's who Moshe repeats their names. What's the logic? If we're going to go with the logic which says that Moshe repeated the names Dafka of those who were weak, uh, so why then would Moshe repeat their names to give them extra bracha? Like Rashi says right there, to make them stronger. Because they were weak, they needed Moshe to boost them. What's the logic for the other side? And if you're going to say Moshe repeated the names of those who were the strong brothers, what would the logic for that be? Is the Pirishin Dem the explanation is Zain de Gibberim Abenese Gigemen Abazundach Shivis Vasatzichis Gedikdoich and Kefal Hashem? Because they were strong brothers, they were considered in a sense more important. Because they were considered more important, their name was repeated more. Their names were heard on people's lips more than the other brothers because they made an impression, because they were powerful, because they were leaders. Maybe similar to the fact that Hashem promised Avram Avinu that he would make his name great, which means people would always refer to him by name. Like Rashi says, when Hashem calls to Avram, Avraham, Avraham, repeats his name. Why? To show how beloved Avraham Avinu is to him. That's why he repeats his name. Rashi doesn't even have to explain that because it's so obvious. When somebody is dear to you and somebody is a big impact person, you talk about them more. So the logic to say that Moshe repeated the names of the weak brothers is because they needed the help. The logic to say he repeated the names of the strong brothers is because it's natural that when somebody is that strong and powerful and impactful, you talk more about them. Now let's translate that specifically into the brachas that Moshe gave. The chilek tzvishin zei b'shaychas zebrichas Moshe gufa, specifically in the brachas of a zeisa bracha. Leiten pirish as the kefal shmeisach haloshim esilvatayis v'sbracha. If we go with the first opinion, which is they're weak and they need extra bracha, is moving as dasos Moshe ben hot kefal given zei shemos. That would explain then why is Moshe repeating their names. It's part of the bracha. How do you give a bracha to a weaker person by repeating their name? That's part of the bracha. 
Aber Leuten Pirish, as he gave him saying, given Dibas Kofas Shmoisam. But if you're going to go with the logic which says Moshe would repeat the names of those who already have a name, who are already strong, it's a kefal Hashem nitchachelik from Brichas Moshe. Then you have to ask one second. But repeating the name is now no longer the bracha. You're talking about something else. Moshe is not repeating their names in order to double the amount of bracha he shares with them. Now, the monon It must be a side issue that the Torah, once it speaks about these strong brothers, says, "Do you know who they are? These are these strong brothers." Kind of elevates their. Their, their uh, profile in our eyes. But Pisa is moving. That helps us to understand. As If you learn Vazoisa Brocha at the simplest level of understanding, specifically the Psukim that are part of Moshe's Brocha, is Mer Mistaver as Yedavot was stated by the Brochas from the Shvatim, is Achelik from Brichas Moshe. It's much more logical to say that all of the words that are in the paragraphs of Moshe's Brochas are part of his Brochas. That's much more logical than to say it's Moshe's Brochas with commentary by the Torah. Wow, do you see how great these people are? On the Ribbelent Dor Trashias Dos Anigvendichaloshim. That's why in that context it makes sense for Rashi to say that these are the weaker Shvatim. And therefore, in the bracha that Moshe is giving them, he repeats their name to give them more strength. Because it fits beautifully to say that repeating their name is part of the bracha. No contradiction. Here in Vayigash, we're talking about the actual brothers and which of them are weaker, who would then be put in front of Paroi. And then there's a debate who those five are. In Vesoy Sabrocha, you're talking about the Shvatim. It's clear who the five Shvatim are that are weaker in Pshat, because in Pshat, they're the ones who need extra Brocha. So look for who Moshe is giving extra Brocha. With that in mind, we can go and understand all these nuances of what Rashi had to say. Bereshis Rabbi is a goddess Eretz Yisrael, and Talmud Bavli Shelonu, and the Bryce of the Sifri. Like them, but Manech Fashtem was Rashi is Moshe Pashasenishi, a goddess Eretz Yisrael. Now we understand why Rashi made the distinction between not just the two sources, a Medrash and a Gemara, but the emphasis that the Medrash is the thinking of Eretz Yisrael and the Gemara is the thinking of Bavel, because the thinking of Eretz Yisrael or the way that Torah is taught in Eretz Yisrael is succinct and the way that Torah is taught in Bavel is elaborate. And that's relevant to the conversation. Knowing who said what helps us to understand why they said it. So what's the big distinguishing factor between Talmud Yerushalmi and Bavli, the Eretz Yisrael way of learning and the Bavl way of learning? We know that everything that is taught in Eretz Yisrael, Mishnah, Talmud Yerushalmi, is short and to the point succinct. Without getting into all the back and forth of understanding the backstory behind this particular ruling. Without very elaborate language. Like the Gemara says, oh, I know that this Tana must be an Eretisodic Tana because of the way he speaks. It's very, so to speak, um, it's not elaborate. Kalila, yeah, he uses few words. 
Mashiach came to say Dalimadim Bavli in Gemara Bavlis. But how do you learn Torah in Bavel in the methodology of Talmud Bavli? Is mitanariches with a tremendous amount of detail. Signed a shakra v'tariya b'teichin ho'inyonim. There's a lot of detail around the the how you come to understand and conclude and what the backstory is and the opinions and how you resolve the opinions. And signed them signa and haloshin, and also in the language itself, the language is more elaborate. So if you're looking in the Medrash, which is the Eretz Yisrael Dika approach, what is their attitude? When you come to analyze who, whose names are repeated, is it the weak people whose names are repeated? And you want to say it's because they're weaker and they need more bracha, and that's why Moshe repeats their names. Why? Because the attitude is you always usually speak succinctly. And davening can be kept short, and brachas can be kept short. Or if you want to say that Moshe repeated their names because he wanted to keep everything as brief as possible. In other words, it's not that the bracha is brief and then you add the names, but rather keep everything brief. Because what are you going to say? The bracha itself is succinct. The repeating of the words. I've gotten the bracha across in the shortest way possible, and now I'm giving another lesson also in the shortest way possible by adding names and saying, you see how great they are? So if I'm learning the attitude and the approach of Talmud Yerushalmi, which is you keep everything as short as you possibly can, you have to then say that he said the bracha in the shortest way possible. And Moshe did not repeat the names of the weak brothers. Why did he repeat names? To give us in the shortest way possible other information. That he repeated the names of the of the of the powerful brothers that you would then know they are the powerful brothers. But when you go from the attitude of the Talmud Bavli, following the methodology of learning, which is common in Bavel, that if you want to add more information, you have to use more language. Then you have to conclude as Kofa Moshe Shmoisam. Why would Moshe repeat their names? It would have to be because Moshe wanted to add more bracha to the weaker people. What, how do you add more? You say more words to give more explanation, more clarity, or in this case, more bracha. Moshe added words to their bracha to give them more strength because that's the way you do it in Bavli. You add more information, you add more words. I'll say, but you could have made it a short brocha and it would be as impactful. Because by repeating their names, he is repeating or doubling the impact and the brocha and the strength that he's giving them. 
If you think the logic of Bavri, that's how Moshe would have done it. He would have used more words to give more clarity. So, Talmud, Yerushalmi, or the Medrash, keep things short, the Brochus as short as possible. If you're adding words, it's for another whole different reason to add something else which is a detail. Short, but powerful. They're strong people. If you're Talmud Bavli, you add more words because you're trying to add more bracha, more insight, more strength in this particular case. And finally, then we can explain why Rashi also then quotes not just the Sifri, but tells us it's a Brisa within the Sifri. And not only that, he tells us it's a Mezosa bracha. Because from Kolan al based on everything we've now explained, we can understand as in Yedin Fundit Svei Pirushim is Dot Svein Deke Yisra Nagabed and Svein Pirush. This is beautiful. Each one of the two explanations, the Medrash or the Gemara, has two advantages over the other. Alef Mitzar Pashas Aksuvim Do. One advantage will relate to how we're learning Pashas Vayigash. Base Mitzar the meaning from Kefal Shmoisem, and one advantage will be how we understand which names were repeated by Moshe in Vazay Sabrach. So let's go with the first explanation, which is that he repeats the names of the strong brothers. So the double value of the first explanation is Aleph. Well, if he repeats the names of the strong brothers, it makes sense. He doesn't repeat Binyamin's name, and he does repeat Yehuda's name. Makes sense. Strong brothers. Second of all, in our parish of Ayigash, when it says that Yosef separated five brothers to take in front of Paroi, we don't know who the five are. So we understand he's probably going to take the, four, the five weaker brothers. And how do I know who they are? I'll go have a look. And I see who are the names that Moshe did not repeat. They're the weak brothers. And I know clearly that they're five. So the advantage is Yehuda comes out strong. And I have a clarity that they're five exact brothers who are Chaloshim. And I don't have to have this whole rigmarole of saying Yehuda's name was doubled, but he's not really weak. Those are the two advantages to the first explanation. What are the two advantages to saying that the ones that Moshe repeated are the weak brothers? The Yisrin Kofel and Sveit and Pirish, two advantages there too. Well, if I say that he repeated the names of those who are the weak brothers, so then Shimon and Levi don't have their names repeated. That makes sense because they're strong brothers. Big advantage. Logically, if you're giving a brocha, and while you're giving the brocha, you repeat somebody's name, logically, that must be because you want to grow their brocha. Which would be, which would be logically, because you want to strengthen them. Which would make a lot more sense than trying to suggest that the Gemara, sorry, not the Gemara, that the Torah, that Moshe Rabbeinu, in the middle of giving a bracha, says, oh, and I'll also tell you some other sidebar information, those are the strong guys. <laughs> which is not information that is relevant at the time of giving a bracha. In fact, the best time to talk about how great they are would be when you're talking about how great they are, not when you're blessing them. 
Und nach dem zweiten Jissen ist Rashi Madgish mit dem, was er bringt, dem Sifri. To highlight that point, that when you're giving a Brocha, it makes sense that you'd add to the Brocha. That's what Rashi wants to highlight by telling us not only is this in the Gemara, it's in the Sifri as well. So what does he say? He brings a Sifri and he says, Und as in Sifri, He tells us that the Sifri, commenting on Bezoi Sabrocha, says the same as our Gemara says about here in Vayigash. The fact that he says it's in Vezois Habrocha is to remind us that it makes the most sense that in a Brocha you're adding the Brocha by repeating the names, not telling us some side detail about how great the brothers are. And now we already saw that with the first two explanations, Rashi wanted to say, okay, that's Medrash, which thinks like Eretz Yisrael, and therefore wants to keep everything succinct and get it more information in fewer words, compared to Talmud Bavli, which wants to take a single idea and explain it in as many words as possible. So Rashi's illustrated the two different ways of learning. In a similar way, Rashi keeps the same theme by telling us it's not just in the Sifri, it's a Brysa quoted in the Sifri. Why? As we know, whatever is in a Brysa is built on information that already exists in the Mishnah. But with a very clear distinction. As in the Mishnah is das bekitzur of a remes. Mishnah tells us everything very briefly and sometimes even just alluding to information that it doesn't spell out. Like the Rambam calls it, davar kotzer in yonim rabin. That the Mishnah is short information that contains huge information. When in the Brais is das meferish barichos beprotius, whereas a Braisa unpacks and adds much more detail. The fact that the Sifri is quoting a Brisa, where the job of a Brisa is similar to Talmud Bavli, to add information and to explain it in more detail, that supports the opinion of Gemara Bavli. That which names did Moshe repeat? The names of the weaker brothers. Or the weaker Shvatim. As we already explained, why does he add more words, say their names again, to give more to them, to give them strength? But it still only comes in as the second explanation in our parasha. Even though for Vezosa Brocha it makes so much sense, in our parasha it's the second explanation. For a materialism from Svetim Pirish is because Shaykh Dot for Seretzich Vegin Brocha in Vezosa Brocha. Because the strength of the second explanation is most pronounced when you're discussing the nature of Moshe's Brocha to the Shvatim, which is in Vezosa Brocha. Mashenkin Pshitishomikir Bepasha say no. Whereas if you're going to understand our parasha Vayigash, it actually makes more sense to say that the five weaker brothers are not, not the ones who have their names repeated because that would fit more neatly into the story of how we understand the nature of the brothers and their strengths and weaknesses at that point in time before they become the Shvatim and before they are blessed by Moshe Rabbeinu.